You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Just uh, want you to make yourself at home, open your heart up to the Lord, and uh, I know He wants to speak to you. He always does. He's always looking for uh, people whose hearts are inclined and open to Him. And uh, he will do what only he can do in your life, and um, you're in a good spot today, so we're glad that you're here. Um, before we move on with the rest of the service, I want to just pause, um, and uh, we have gotten uh, some reports back from, uh, we prayed for Lewis uh, Swan uh, with Site.org uh, a couple of weeks ago, and um, we've gotten some reports back that they're encountering some uh, pretty heavy uh, spiritual warfare and some resistance, some equipment breaking down, and then various other things uh, that happen. It's not uh, at all surprising uh, that the devil would want to uh, hinder and discourage uh, what they're doing, Um, but uh, God is greater, amen? And so we here in Tyler are just going to pray and just join ourselves to them um, as they do the work, that God would just remove every obstacle, uh, and that every plan of the enemy is going to turn back on him and that greater things are going to be done and accomplished. So let's just pause and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that we have access to the throne of grace. We thank you, Lord, that as we pray today, uh, Lord, it's not wishful thinking. Uh, It's not just empty words. It's not just vain repetition, but we are communicating with the heart of our Father this morning. And you are the Lord God of all the earth, Togo, Africa, East Texas, and every spot in between. Um, We know, Lord Jesus, uh, that the enemy wants to resist uh, in any way that he can what's what's happening there, Lord. Uh, Oh, God, but you're the God of healing. And we just pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would just empower uh, this team uh, to bring sight to the blind, literally, uh, but also, Lord, to bring hope uh, to the hopeless, um, to shed light, Lord Jesus, in these villages, Uh, in the lives of your faithful people and the people that don't know you, um, that you would just use them mightily, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that when we look back on this, when Lewis uh, and the team gets back and we start hearing some of the stories, Lord, that we will rejoice uh, because we will see that you have shown yourself to be faithful, Lord. Uh, And we'll be reminded that in resistance, Lord Jesus, that there is great treasure, that when we are resisted and when, when things don't go perfectly for us, It's just an opportunity for you to show yourself sovereignly mighty on behalf of your people. So just do some amazing things, Lord. I just want to pray for that uh, little uh, boy, that little guy that uh, is going to have cataract surgery tomorrow um, that I've seen his picture on uh, Facebook over and over again. Um, Oh, God, I just pray that there would be nothing that would hinder uh, this little boy from fully receiving sight uh, and being able, Lord, just to, uh, to be a kid uh, and not to be limited in any way by blindness or, uh, or poor vision. Um, and I pray, Lord, that I know that, that he's got a family, and I know that they care deeply about him. And I just pray that this would be like a soothing balm for them, Lord, to see the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God toward their child, um, and just that you would be glorified in it and that great things would come out. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, and I uh, also just wanted to remind uh, everybody, if you're uh, new to us within the last few months, um, join us uh, after church um, for, uh, we're going to have like a, just a light meal, a good opportunity for you to meet some of our leadership and uh, get to know a little bit about us, a little bit about our background, our story, our history, um, our vision, um, and also more information about how you can become a member, become a part of what God is doing here, okay? So uh, just... Um, Please join us uh, after church for that. I am um, doing another standalone uh, message this morning. It's not part of any series, but it's uh, the, uh, the common thread or factor is just my daily reading um, beginning this year, reading through the Bible, uh, reading some parts of the Bible that maybe we don't read all the time. Um, and uh, it's just been really good and really rich. Um, and what I want to share with you this morning is really important for us to understand Um, as believers, Uh, and that is the sources of refining. Jesus uh, has has clearly told us that in this world we're going to have trouble, amen? 
And that trouble comes from different sources. Um, and it's really important to know where it's coming from and why you're experiencing these things and what God's purpose is uh, in that. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, uh, it says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And that's God's purpose. When he's looking into your heart, he sees gold there. But it probably is not what you're thinking. You're probably thinking you got this much, and he's saying, no, it's really only about this much, but that's real gold. That's real gold. And that's not of you. That's something that he has done in your life. And the only way that you can really know what is really there is for pressure to be put on. And when pressure is put on, then uh, we get refined. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, um, it says, there remains faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And what I'm, uh, the kind of seed for what I'm, I'm thinking of um, is that those are three things that God is refining in our life. He's refining our faith. Peter, Peter talks about the, the, um, the testing or the proving of your faith, which is more precious than gold. Um, that there is, there's a work that's being done that is, that is, that is uh, refining um, our faith so that we know that we have real faith. And it's not just overblown or um, just um, uh, presumption, but it, that it's, it's real faith. Um, and also hope. And the only way that God can refine our hope is to put us in situations that we're tempted to be hopeless. Amen? And when we find ourselves in situations that we're tempted to be hopeless, and we find hope that endures, a hope that is not based on temporary things or based on wishful thinking, but it's based on the Word of God. And then finally, what God is after is refining love. We have so many different ideas about what love is, uh, but man, when you find the real deal, there's no substitute for it. When you find that 1 Corinthians 13 love, because we're being loved that way by God, but he also wants us to love that way as well. There's, no, there's nothing like it. There's nothing, and, and the cheap substitutes that we have, that's what we ought to say. God, refine those things, because we don't want the cheap substitute. We want the real um, thing. Um, so I just wanted to talk to you about uh, the, this refining process. Um, there's three sources of refining. I'm using a picture here that's from, uh, this is either Lake Charles or Texas City, um, and uh, since we're in Texas, this is uh, dear, near and dear to our hearts. Um, this is a, uh, an oil refinery. And uh, so you see these big tanks here? You, you see those big round um, structures? Um, do you know what those are? Anybody ever work in a, um, in a refinery or familiar with a refinery? So these are collection tanks. And some of them are for collecting um, uh, waste. Um, things that are, uh, that are thrown away after the refining process, but most of them are to collect the good stuff. That's what that's for. That's what all the work is going into it and all the, all the, um, uh, the ingenuity and all of that is to be able to fill these big tanks with all the good stuff. And there's so many good, different good things that come out of the refining process. And that's what God is after in our lives as well. When um, Caleb and, uh, and Emily have been teaching uh, in Sunday school on the fruit of the Spirit, that's the refining process. The refining process produces these things in our lives, and those things are hugely valuable. They're, they're eternal in nature. Um, they are um, something that we can't produce ourselves, but that the Spirit produces um, in us. And the way that he does that um, is through the process of uh, refining. So anyway, I, did, I thought that picture was not very pretty, so I'll give you another one that's a little bit prettier. Um, beautiful sunset uh, on the Louisiana coast, uh, making uh, stuff that we use. There's three sources of refining. So the first is uh, Satan, or the enemy, the uh, adversary. Um, got a lot of different names for him, but uh, you know who I'm talking about. The second one is the flesh, and that's you. That's, that's, that's a real part of you. That's, uh, it's not the whole you, but it's, a, it's definitely a, a part of you. And then the last one is the Lord God Almighty, and I've uh, named him that way just to remind us of who he is instead of just saying God. He's the Lord God Almighty. So, um, so let's take a look at these um, uh, different sources of refining. 
First of all, Satan. And what I've done here is, um, I know I have a very limited amount of time, so I'm just going to pick a spot on each one of these, okay? Because we could spend a lot of time talking about all of the different ways that the enemy, he's such a genius at, at attacking and, and tearing down and, you know, and just he's really, he's a really good devil, you know. He's just, he's really good at what he does. Amen? I think he gets credit for way too much. Because I don't think he's nearly as powerful as he wants people to think. Having said that, he is not to be taken lightly. Um, in 1 Peter, he says, um, uh, be on the alert because your enemy uh, is going around like a roaring lion. Now, what he's doing is, is that he is trying to, exactly what Wycliffe was talking about, he's trying to instill fear in you. He's trying, to, he's trying to make you afraid so that you will stop doing what you know is the right thing to do. He's not hard to figure out, okay? And, and his, uh, his tactics, most of them are, are new, um, even though they may hit us in a way that we don't recognize. We have to be a sober, we have to be alert, we have to be aware that he's always going around looking for what he can uh, take advantage of. Jesus faced uh, the enemy uh, in the wilderness. Satan approached him and tempted him three times. Um, you've heard many, many teachings on that. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot, of, lot to mine from that. But the one thing that I want to just tell you is, is that Jesus was tempted by the devil, so don't be surprised that you're going to be tempted um, by the devil as well. And he'll use very similar tactics on you that he used on Jesus. But he's always looking for an opportunity. He's opportunistic. He's always looking for an unlocked door. He's always looking for um, an open wound. He's always looking for uh, something that he can um, take advantage of in your life to get a toenail hold in you um, and just try to begin to expand that. But I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time giving him any kind of credit today because he's not omnipotent, he's not omnipresent, um, he's not all of the things that our God is. Um, and all he's doing is looking for an opportunity. Don't give him an opportunity, okay? One of the things that he does, and this is the one I just want to just kind of um, uh, highlight one thing um, that he does, is that he's, he's seeking to lure us and to trap us. That's what, his, that's what his desire is. And so I've got a have a heart trap. I don't know if you are familiar with this or not, uh, but people use it to catch big versions of this you can catch pigs with. Um, smaller versions of it, you can catch like raccoons that are in your attic and, and things like that. And uh, the trap that, he, that, um, that we're looking at here is very similar to the type of trap that the devil um, uses on us. Because the basic elements of a trap are that there's like a, there's an enclosure or a cage, um, there's something that is going to uh, limit you and keep you um, from having your freedom. And the way that that thing is sprung is because there's a bait. This, this, uh, you see the, the little platform in the middle of it? Um, that's a trigger uh, for the trap. And you put bait on top of that trigger. And when the prey comes in and, and takes the bait, then the trap closes on them. This is, um, uh, in Greek, there's a word for that. It's called the scandalon. And that sounds like scandalized, doesn't it? And that's what sca being scandalized for us does, is that it traps us. So, I don't know about you, but like, um, have you ever had like a, a hangnail um, or had like a, one of those little bumps on your tongue? You ever had, had that? And it's just like impossible not to mess with it, right? It's just like it, it hurts and you, and you mess with it and, and, you know, or it's on your tongue and you just wear yourself out just rubbing it against your tooth, you know, and it's because it's, it's just something that, that irritates us and bothers us. There's so many things in life that are like that. Have you ever had somebody just say a word to you that just hit you wrong, that you just didn't like or didn't appreciate? And you get that same thing. It's just like that hangnail that you just, you worry with it and you just, it just warts you and you just, you can't let it go. That's not the devil, okay? But that is the bait that he puts on the top of the trap to trap you. Because you don't just start thinking about the word, that somebody said, but you start thinking about the person that said that word, and it scandalizes you. And you think you've risen to the bait, and you've taken the bait, and you don't realize that you're trapped. You don't realize that 
Now you can't get out. You can't let go. The devil's always trying to do this with us. He's always trying to trap us and to limit us. He is, uh, he's cruel. He, doesn't, he does not have any um, uh, pity or mercy upon us. Um, he doesn't care what has led us to where we are. All he wants to do, his, and, and you can look at your life and you can tell whether he's had his way with you if you are alone and lonely, if you have broken relationships that you have not been able to reconcile, and you have not, that, that, that the Lord has, I mean, that your, your life is um, characterized by um, uh, more and more broken relationships instead of being able to be good at reconciliation. You know that you're a child of God when you are good at reconciliation. And you know that the devil's having his way with you when you have broken relationships and broken relationships and broken relationships. And listen, all of us do. All of us do. And that's what Jesus came for, is for reconciliation. He doesn't want us to live our lives losing relationships and losing people that are close to us and and, uh, going through life being hurt and hurting other people. I'll tell you another thing that the devil, the devil wants you alone, he wants you miserable, and he wants you dead. And if you can see those things working in your life, then you know that the devil is having his way with you. But listen, be of good cheer, okay? Jesus said, I have overcome the the world. I have overcome the evil one. He is the Lord of the earth. I don't care what your life is like, he's the stronghold in your life. And out of that flows every good thing. And he's not satisfied to just be a stronghold encased behind a wall. He's coming out, man. And he's coming into our different areas of our life. And he's working in these areas. So what happens is is that the devil takes that raw material that we have and he wants to use it against us and he wants to make us miserable with it. But God takes that very same thing and causes it to be a strength in our life. So the devil comes to the Lord and he says, um, uh, you know, turn these stones into bread. And what does Jesus do with that? What does he do with that? He turns it on him, doesn't he? Because lo and behold, God actually said something about that. Actually, there's something specifically about that in the Word of God that God has revealed that was not just a one-time word, but it was an eternal word for all time. And what was that word? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And you see how that, that little bait just kind of sat on top of that trap. And it was, it was looking to, to entrap him. Just like, and I'm, I can't tell you what the bait is for you. It might be, might be a long-standing offense Somebody that did you wrong or hurt you or something like that. And, and, and that little bait just sits on top of that trigger. And you go in and you take that bait and you find yourself trapped, not the other person. It's kind of ironic that these kind of things don't hurt the other person as much as they hurt us and they limit our freedom. So what is that? What is that that little trap that that the enemy has set for us? Listen, God has a remedy for it. And that remedy is Jesus Christ himself. That remedy is the fact that Jesus was saying that I have all my sufficiency in God. I don't need anything. I don't have to do any tricks. I don't have to test God. I don't have to do any. All I have to do is just be who I am in God. And all the sufficiency that I need is in God. He's really good at it. He's He's opportunistic. He's crafty. He's wise and persistent. He knows how to speak your language. He knows what things get under your skin. And every time that we resist the enemy, we become stronger in the spirit. We become better at what we're doing. Now make no mistake about it, even when he tempted Jesus and he left, it said he left looking for an opportunity. So if that dude is looking for an opportunity in Jesus Christ, I guarantee you he's looking for an open door into your life. He's looking for a window that you've left open. He's, le- he's looking for something that is unattended in your life. Some small thing that he can just get, his, uh, get an inroad in. The second one is, 
uh, the flesh. And like I said, I'm going to pick a spot uh, on this. You know, I've, I've heard people pray, um, sometimes well-meaning people, and thank God God doesn't answer all of our prayers, right? Because I've heard people pray, Lord, deliver me from the flesh. So do you know what that means? There is one way to get delivered from the, from the flesh, and it's a big step, right? And we, it's all, it's, we're all going to experience it at some point. But if God is not done with you on this earth, you're not going to be delivered from the flesh. So what's the option? The option is to discipline the flesh or overcome the flesh or make the flesh your servant. The flesh is an awesome servant. And when I'm talking about the flesh, I'm talking about your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, your, your, um, your, your drives, your appetites. All of those things are manifestations of the flesh. And the Bible clearly tells us that the flesh doesn't savor spiritual things. The flesh likes to look good, so if it looks good to pray, then the flesh will be big at praying. But it wants to do the praying kind of thing where everybody can see it. It looks really spiritual, but it's really just another manifestation of the flesh. And the flesh itself is, is really powerful and it's, and it's really... Um, uh, it's, a, it's a great servant. It's a horrible master. And here's the key to understanding the flesh. At some point, you're going to have to say no to it. Okay? Because the flesh has no breaks. It doesn't know when to stop. At some point, you're going to have to say no to it. When I was 30 years old, it was a real uh, revelation to me. Um, it, was, it was not a great birthday. I had to buy a pair of pants that were bigger around than they were long. It's the first time in my life I'd ever had to do that. I got my first cavity, which I still don't know whether that dentist was just doing that because he couldn't find a cavity, so he, he told me that he needed to, he just wasn't satisfied to see somebody with a perfect set of teeth. Um, and I had my first high blood pressure uh, uh, reading. And I was depressed, man. 30 years old, I was depressed. I'm just like, is this what life is going to be like from now on? And I decided, no, it is not going to be. I am not going to go through my life, you know, fretting over every, uh, every decade of my life of the things that I've lost. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live it in a godly way. I'm going to live it serving the Lord and let the chips fall where they may. I'm not going to see my life as some kind of a downhill skid or some kind of a, of a, of a, of a losing proposition. And God has been really good to me through my life. Some of the things that I started doing in my 30s that I still love to do today, um, that God has just given me the grace to be able to do that. Been through some, you know, some tough times, um, but God has just been really faithful for that. And I think if I was, when I was 30 years old, if I could look at my life when I'm 60, I'd say that's pretty good. That's, God has been really good to me, way beyond what I, what I deserve. Um, the flesh is destined for the grave. But in the meantime, it can be a great, great servant. It has to learn how to stop. Okay, One of the things that I did when I was, when I was uh, 30 years old is I decided I used to love to eat. I still love to eat. Can't say I don't love to eat. Um, but I, I really like loved to, like in Louisiana when they have like a fish fry or a, a crawfish boil. You ever seen the pictures of it? That it's not like here in, you know, in East Texas, everybody gets like a little plate and puts some crawfish on it, you know, and they sit down and they kind of, you know, they have their crawfish or they have like their fried fish and they'll have like two or three pieces of catfish and they'll sit down. That's not the way we eat stuff in Louisiana. We have a picnic table and we cover it with newspaper and we put a pile of food in the middle of it. And that's what I just, I love that. And, and the problem was, is that I don't ever feel like quitting. It gets to be a challenge. The more you eat, it's like I want one more, you know? And that's one of the decisions that I made at that time because I stopped and I thought about it. Like after I got through eating at a Mexican restaurant, you know, I didn't feel good. I, it's, it's like I don't, I don't feel good. I feel bad. And I, all I've done is just eaten myself to... to to my fill. And what I decided at that time, and I've kept this true for, the, for my life, 
is that I'll eat until I feel a little bit full and then I'll quit. I know that's not a huge revelation. But look, the deal is, is that you're going to have to stop sometime. You might as well stop before you hurt yourself. Right? You're going to have to say no to the flesh sometime because the flesh has no, no discernment whatsoever. The flesh wants what it wants and it wants more of what it wants and it doesn't want to stop. And we're all going to have to come to the place where we say, that's enough. And some people just need to take a step back and say, I'm not going to listen to the flesh. I'm going to do what I know is the right thing to do for my sanity, for my health, um, etc. I want to just bring one thing up that is a manifestation of the flesh um, that, uh, that I think we all need to uh, think about. And that's, um, that's the tongue. So when James is talking about the tongue, he, he, he observes the fact that a big horse can be controlled by a bit on the tongue. And that if a person can learn to bridle their tongue, that they're going to be perfect. They're like, they're going to have, you know, they're going to have life and, 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 uh, and freedom and joy. And I submit to you that our tongues are the source of a lot of problems. And that's a manifestation of the flesh. It's not a manifestation of the, the Spirit. Sometime, somewhere along the line, you're going to have to say to your tongue, that's enough. That's enough. Not, don't, don't talk anymore. Because what happens is, is that we, we feel free to speak, and what we end up doing is we end up creating great, great problems. Again, going back to the little you know, hangnail or the little word that somebody says to us, and then we turn around and we want to start talking to somebody else, you know, about that. Ever been there? Anybody ever been there? That's just nothing but a manifestation of the flesh. And what you're doing is you're getting trapped in something. So somebody says something to me about, I don't know, I'll just, I'll, I'll say uh, David Cook. So somebody says something to me about David Cook. And I love David Cook. I think he's just an awesome man of God. I love so many things uh, about him. But if David had hurt me or offended me and somebody said something great about David, what would my reaction be to that? It was like, yeah, he's okay. Yeah, he, yeah you know, Cook, yeah, he's, he's okay. What is it? It's some kind of little offense that's on the inside of me that prevents me from speaking redeemingly and, and, and positively about that person. You ever had somebody like borrow some money from you? And then you're talking to somebody else and they're just like, you know, that guy's such an awesome guy. And you're just like, yeah, he's, he's okay. Right? He owes me 20 bucks. I'm not saying anything about it. But he owes me 20 bucks. Right? 20 bucks. 20 bucks. And what has it done? It has caused me to be offended in my heart against that person, and it's near impossible not to speak in that way. Even if I don't say he's a scoundrel, the fact that I can't say anything positive about him indicates, listen, that I am trapped by the flesh. That I am not able to, out of the abundance of my heart, speak blessings and good things about that person. James says that we, ha that, uh, that we have bridles for tongues of horses, um, that we can tr control a huge animal. In the same way, your life and your well-being will be greatly influenced by what you do or don't do with your tongue. And I'm not just talking about positive confession. There's, a, there's an element of truth to positive confession. Being one of those people that looks on the good side of things and always speaking words of hope and, uh, and, and faith. There's, I know some people are really annoyed by that, um, but it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing to do that. But that's not all that I'm talking about. Also what I'm talking about is the looking into my own heart and saying, what's the best thing? that I can say? What's the best thing that I can do? And taking some authority over my flesh 
and saying, I know you feel this way, but this is the direction that we're going. This is what we're going to do instead of that. The part of you that doesn't savor spiritual things, the part of you that wants what it wants, the part of you that uh, is driven by the cyclical nature of of appetite and desire and, and fulfillment and then appetite and desire and fulfillment. Now listen, like I said, it's a great servant, but if you find yourself going around in circles, repeating the same mistakes, repeating the same, uh, having your, getting hurt in the same way over and over again, that's an indication that something is happening with your flesh that needs to be brought to the Lord to get some, some uh, authority over. So what's the, um, uh, what's the, refi- the refining process of the flesh? What do we, what do we get as a result of, um, of handling this in a godly way? We get the fruit of the Spirit. Because we're saying no to the flesh and we're saying yes to the Spirit. So love, joy, peace, patience. Somebody help me. Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. All of these things are the things that, that accumulate in those tanks. When we go through these things and we say no to the flesh... And it's not always like a permanent no, but it's just like that's enough to the flesh. Then what we get out of it is goodness, patience, gentleness. Something that enriches your life, but it enriches the lives of so many other people so much more. And then finally, uh, the source of, um, of refining. And uh, Satan's whole point in, um, in putting pressure on us is not to refine us. He doesn't he have anything good in mind. If he had any sense, he'd know he wouldn't mess with us because he would realize that God is going to turn all of those things around for a believer. But he's always looking for an opportunity. His purposes are not redemptive. The flesh has no spiritual savor either. So the flesh is not putting pressure on us in any way to make us strong spiritually or to make us grow spiritually. The flesh is just being the flesh, okay? But your heavenly Father, and he is the source of of a lot of things that we go through, okay? And you can trust Him. He doesn't do it to play games with you. He doesn't do it to make you suffer. Some people say, you know, God hates me because I'm going through this. No, God loves you. And He's going to be with you in this. Just because you're going through something really hard and really difficult doesn't mean that God hates you or that God doesn't know what's going on. It just means that God has higher purposes in mind for you, okay? The third source is God Himself. And if you have real faith, you will wrestle with God. If you have real faith, you will find yourself wrestling with God. Jacob wrestled with God, right? And on the one hand, we look at Jacob, and we're just like, yeah, man, that's a, that's a real man's man. You know, he's like wrestling with God. No, that was stupid. That's God Almighty. That's the God of the universe. And Jacob is wrestling with Him. Why? Because Jacob was a supplanter. Because Jacob was was somebody who was always working the angles. And not only that, but he was also the victim of that stuff as well. Jacob wanted his own way by hook or crook. He wanted what he wanted. And God had bigger plans for Jacob. And so Jacob wrestled with him. And he wrestled with him mightily. And God said, I'm going to have to make this guy a cripple for the rest of his life to teach him a lesson. And he did. And everybody that said that about Jacob, they were just like, man, that guy wrestled with God. Listen, don't wrestle with God. Submit yourself to Him. And I'm telling you this, and I know that it's a struggle. I know that Jacob struggled. Paul, um, the apostle, had some kind of uh, of an ailment, a, uh, a thorn in the flesh, he called it. And it says three times. Can you imagine this? I mean, Paul praying three times. Man, it must have peeled the paint in that place. For Paul to be praying to God to deliver him from this, and God's answer was, no, I've got something better in mind for you. I've got something better in mind for you. God always wants to give us the best. But the, the, the greatest example of this is Jesus Christ Himself in the Garden of Gethsemane.
And you remember that conversation. You remember that, that um, prayer that he prayed. I'm not sure how we are privy to that. I don't know if maybe after his resurrection, when he was spending those 40 days with the disciples, that he, he says, let me just tell you about that last night and what was happening. While you guys fell asleep, here's what was happening with me. And he, and he, he was wrestling with his, with his father, with his, with his heavenly father. It's not sin. It's not sin. He's like us in all things. He's tempted like, like us in all things. Because Jesus Christ, as a man, had his own hopes and desires, just like you do. And those hopes and desires were informed by and were, were driven by his love for his Father and his desire to, to do what his mission was in life when his hour came. But when his hour came, he was faced with the same decision that you are faced with on a regular basis. And that's, are you going to do it God's way or are you going to do it your way? And Jesus asked, he said, let this cup pass from me. Paul said, deliver me. Three times he prayed to be delivered. Jacob wrestled with God. Listen, who prevailed in all of those situations? The Lord God Almighty. He's greater than us. He's greater than our desires. He's greater than our strength. You can, you can try to resist Him, but you're never going to overcome and overpower God Himself. And what was the result of that wrestling? And what's the result in your life of that wrestling? The result of that wrestling was like a nuclear um, a reaction. When Jesus submitted himself to the Father, and I believe that that night in, in Gethsemane was when the work was done. I believe that Calvary was a result that, that was, a, was, a, uh, was a done deal after that night in Gethsemane. Jesus was not turning aside. He was not quitting. He was going to suffer and die on the cross, but there was not going to be any time on, in, in that whole time after Gethsemane when there was any holding back on Jesus' part. He, he had completely embraced the Father's will and he had submitted himself to the Father's will. And what that was is like a nuclear reaction. And through that nuclear reaction, life flowed forth. Somewhere there's a power plant that's powering these lights, right? Somewhere there's, there's a reaction that's going on. There's something that's happening that is supplying electricity. And as we sit here today, you have life, you have righteousness that's not of yourself, you have grace, you have peace, and that's the light in your heart that is lit by that decision that Jesus made that night. That reaction is still bearing, bearing fruit today. And listen, it still bears fruit for you as well. Whatever you find yourself wrestling with, whatever you find yourself afraid of, for afraid of saying yes to God, the power in your life comes from saying, not my will, but your will be done. The power in your life comes from that refining process where a human being submits one of the most powerful things on the face of the earth, the human will, to the will of the Father. Willingly submits His will to the Father's will. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let me just close with this. So what is this refining process affecting and, and accomplishing in your life right now? First of all, can you relate to what I'm talking about? Can you, I, I, do, you, do you experience this on a daily basis, on a regular uh, basis? I mean, we go through seasons. We're, we're, uh, we're in an awesome season in Texas right now where it's 80 degrees one day and then it's 20 degrees the next, right? But you know what? Becky and I were out walking yesterday and I saw this one little like, uh, uh, stick covered 
with little pink flowers. You know what that is? That's a redbud tree. And the redbud tree is the one that says, I'm tired of winter. I'm ready to break forth. And it's just one little stick of, of, of a redbud tree. You might see tulip trees that are out there right now that just cannot wait. They can't wait. It's still wintertime. It's still cold. The woodchuck has only just now seen his shadow or whatever he does, you know. And the tulip tree is just like, I don't care, man. I don't care. What's this refining process bringing about in your life? You're going through seasons in your life. Mark it down. God has a plan for the things that are going on in your life right now. He has life in store for you. He, and choose life. Choose yes to Him. What, what kind of little thing is like irking you? Did you wake up last night thinking about something? Something that somebody said? Maybe something that you did. Maybe something that, that just, it, it just confounds you. You just can't, you can't let it go. Listen, God has a purpose in that. He's got a purpose in that. And if you bring it to Him, you're going to get great benefit from it. If not, it'll just get infected and it'll just get worse. But if you'll bring it to Him and handle it in a godly way and let Him do what He does to pour in the oil and the wine, to minister life and forgiveness to you, you're going to reap the rewards and the benefits of it. He wants you to be free. He sees you in that trap. He knows how you got there. You didn't intend to get there, but you found yourself grabbing the bait and getting, getting trapped. He sees you. Listen, He wants you to be free. And He's the only one that can help you to be free. He wants you to be flourishing in the gifts of the Spirit, in the fruit of the Spirit. Let's stand together this morning. We're going to worship for a few minutes. Just let him in this morning. Just let him in. Thank you, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. We're gathered in your name. This is your house. This is your place. We are your habitation. Come, Lord, and do what only you can do in the hearts of your Do you have enough courage this morning to say to God, God, do what you want to do in my life? Would you have enough courage? Or will you let fear rule you? Let fear introduce that doubt in the back of your mind that maybe what he has for you is not something that you're going to like? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent people take it by force. People press in to God. People ask for more. People, people in a warlike way say, I'm going to take this. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have everything that God has for me. And say no to themselves and yes to God. Say no to being ruled by fear and doubt. And saying, yes, I'm going to walk in this.
sees it in people just like a daddy does when he sees his little ones lift their hands up that means lift me up that means come and get me come and hold me it also means I surrender right so that's a that's another good one so let's just let's just stand before the Lord in a posture that is pleasing to him Heavenly Father we just say to you Lord you're our all in all you're our whole universe you're our whole world you're our future you're our past by the Spirit, we call you Father. We call you Daddy. And Lord, we've gotten ourselves trapped in so many different, just stupid things. Will you come and lift us up? Will you come and take us out of this trap? Will you come and, and just receive us to yourself and set us free, Lord? Set us free, Lord, from the bondage that we have fallen into. Set us free, Lord Jesus from the hopelessness that the enemy has tried to put on us. Set us free, Lord, from the futility of the flesh, Lord, so that we might serve you with abandon, serve you freely, joyfully. Thank you for it, Lord. I pray for healing for relationships as a result of this, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take one combatant out of the picture so that there would be no reason to fight, no, no reason to fight at all. In Jesus' name. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us grace, Lord, to reach across to people, and especially people that have hurt us or wronged us. God, that in faith believing, we will say, my hope is in Christ, it's not in you. My healing is in Christ, it's not in you. My restoration is in Christ, it's not in you. My freedom is in Christ, and I am free to love, and free to forgive, and free to serve. Thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we're praying for people that are in our lives that we know uh, need you. And right now, we're just going to bring them before you, Lord Jesus. Not because you don't know them, but just because, Lord, we want you to know that this is dear to us, and this is precious to us, and this means something to us, Lord. That you have put people in our lives, and when we see them, we say they need the Lord. They need Jesus. They need hope. They need freedom. They need healing. And we bring these friends to you, Lord Jesus lay them before you at the altar and we just say oh God will you do something amazing in their lives will you bring hope where there's no hope will you bring light where there's darkness Lord will you break the bondage and the chain Lord Jesus um, that they're under oh God in Jesus name thank you for it we pray that you would add them to your kingdom if they're not already there and if they're there Lord that you'd set them free to serve you in ways that they've never even dreamed of before Lord 
We want to be a huge tank, Lord, of, uh, of good things that you have refined as you've refined our faith and our hope and our love, Lord. We want to be a, a huge deposit, Lord, um, in this earth to supply good things to those that are around us. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and you're dismissed this morning. Remember, if you're new to us this morning and you want to get to know us better, head over to the fellowship hall right now. Lunch is getting served here shortly. We would love a chance to meet you and greet you and get to know you better. Praise the one who set me free.